Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Everyone, it's great to be back again on Sunday in your homes. Uh, I pray that you're doing well. Uh, We're excited to share God's word with you, to worship God. Uh, Wherever you're at, whether this is your church and you're in your worshiping with us and you understand what's going on Uh, but maybe even more importantly those that maybe have never been to church before you haven't been to church for a long time uh, and you've 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 stumbled across this page a friend has invited you or shared this message with you we're grateful that you're here Uh, before i get into today's message and we we spend some some time in god's word uh, two things i want to do i want you to if you haven't yet i want you to share what's what's going on right now and i was thinking about uh, why you should share it and and here's why you should share this message and in this time that we're in uh, With all of the heartache that's happening and the pain and the unknown and the anxiety This is a time that, that you've prayed for many of you uh, You've shared your faith with with people uh, from time to time you've invited them to church But you were kind of on the mountaintop like life was going good and maybe you were inviting them and they're like Yeah, but the only reason you maybe were worshiping or coming to church is because your life was fairly good uh, but now you're, we're all going through this together. And, and this world needs to see a church that continues to worship the, sovereign, the sovereignty, the control, the power uh, of God. They, they need to see that. They need to see a faith that holds up under fire. And so maybe this is the moment you've prayed for. Maybe you've invited somebody to church for a long time. Uh, but now they see you continuing to worship the Lord even in the midst of this difficult season. What an opportunity you have to show that your faith is real. And so maybe real fast, uh, before we jump into today's message, you just text that person and say, hey, I've shared something on my page or man, I want to just tune into Facebook, go to YouTube, go to jrny.church. You can watch it right there. Uh, Tune into today's message. I believe God has something specific and life-changing to speak to your life. And as you do that, uh, we're going to go into a time of, of Sunday morning uh, offerings and tithes. And I'm going to pray. And I want to thank you for those who, who have continued to be faithful to the church and faithful with your finances, not just with your tithe, but with your offering. I'm, I'm continually blown away uh, by the generosity of, of those that call Journey their, their home. So far, close to $45,000 has come in uh, up to this, this weekend in our 245 fund. And people have continued to, to, to give through the general ties and offerings so much so that we have one of the greatest months we've ever had uh, in, in, in April as far as giving goes. Uh, and it's, it's exciting to watch a church rise to the occasion. We're, we're coming through this together and we're coming through this stronger. That, that's my prayer. We're going through this together and we're coming through this stronger, that we are going to, on the other side of this, that we are going to see God do something that we've prayed for and believed for for many years, uh, and we're going to arrive there and, and together. We're going to be ready to go together, and so I'm going to pray over this offering. Thank you for those who continue to give. We're going to believe that God will continue to be faithful not only to our church, but to our houses and our jobs in every situation that we, we, we face. He is a good God. He is a faithful God. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for this day. Lord, as we're about to jump into your word, you've already moved through this time of worship. Lord, we we thank you that the promise is that you inhabit the very praises of your people. And so you are here. You are in every room. Lord, you you are in every home. Lord, you're speaking through every uh, device right now. 
and it is evident that you are about to do something uh, life-changing, eternity-changing, Lord. And Lord, we're grateful for the opportunity of those of us who are still able to work, to bring you our tithe, our first 10% back to this house, Lord. And for those that are able to give above and beyond so that we can continue to be your church. Not only are we sharing the gospel, Lord, but week in and week out, we're meeting people's needs. And Lord, we are grateful to have the chance to do this. Lord, we're thankful for your faithfulness. We're thankful, Lord, that we're going through this together and we're getting through this stronger. And Lord, we, we love you. Would you have your way over the next few moments? In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, today we get to continue in our, in our sermon series, A House Party. I mean, we've, I've, been, I've been enjoying it. I've been enjoying going into the moments uh, of the life of, of Christ. Um, I, I've also, as we began this series, I, w- I was, somebody introduced me to this, the, the series, The Chosen. Some of you have already watched it. I'm going to encourage you to watch it. A lot of the things we're talking about are actually portrayed in even more depth in that series. It's an incredible series. It's free right now. Uh, they're going to encourage you to pay it forward, and I believe you will. Uh, but tune in if you want more in-depth in a lot of these stories that we're, we're talking about. And so we're going to spend just the next few weeks continuing to take a look at, at the life of Jesus as he ministered in different people's homes. I think that God can do something incredible uh, in our homes. And so the title of my message today, as we jump in, is, is Turn It Around. Turn It around. Here's the thing. Everybody loves a good turnaround story. Everybody loves a good comeback story. Listen, uh, it's quarantine time. Some of us are working, but a lot of us have a lot of extra time on our, on our hands. And so uh, it's been raining some days. And so not every day we can get out of the house. And so maybe you're like me. You've spent a lot of time uh, watching movies, watching shows, you know, kind of, kind of lounging with your family in this season. And I think that's actually been a great blessing uh, to, to, be, to be able to do that, to just kind of calm down. I told you a few weeks ago, every obstacle also gives us opportunities. And so the opportunity just to spend more time together as a family. And so we watched some, some great movies, some turnaround movies. I actually introduced my kids uh, to the great movie, turnaround movie, Napoleon Dynamite, uh, this week. And so I was a junior high youth pastor in the middle of the, two, I think, it was 2005, 2006, and uh, Napoleon Dynamite came out maybe a little earlier than that. And I remember the very first time that I watched it, I completely didn't get it. I didn't understand it. I didn't comprehend it. And the more that I watched it, the funnier that I thought that it was. And so because it didn't make sense to me, and I thought this is, this is silly. Uh, and so I, we were flipping through, I think it was uh, Amazon Fire Stick, whatever it was. And I said, hey, you want to watch Napoleon Dynamite? They've never heard of it. And we watched it. And what was funny is I thought it was super boring to them, but actually they watched the whole thing and then they asked, can we watch it again? And the next day they watched it again and then they found a cartoon of Napoleon Dynamite. So much so that I had to stop them because they started acting like the people on Napoleon Dynamite. And so uh, that, that, that's one movie I introduced my kids to. But another movie that I watched this week that was actually a really good epic turnaround story is the, the, the movie The Way, the Way Back. And, and, and in it, Ben Affleck plays a man named Jack Cunningham. Jack Cunningham uh, is an alcoholic in the movie, dealing with his own demons and struggles that reluctantly is convinced to go back to his uh, high school and coach the, 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 this mediocre basketball team, uh, the high school of which that he was kind of a legend. He was supposed to become a Division I basketball player, and he kind of let his life go off the tracks, and he struggled, and through the movie, you begin to understand that he's, he's, he's divorced or separated, and the reason they had all these problems, they lost their son, he had cancer, and, and they, they had all the, he has all these kind of inner, inner demons, this turmoil that he's facing, 
and, and the movie begins to play out, and he begins to find himself as he struggles and coaches his team and they end up winning the state championship. And basically, he gets his life back, back together. And it's this amazing turnaround moment. And I think all of us could agree we love to watch people turn their lives around. And I got to tell you, one of the greatest themes in Scripture that I love, that, that makes me the most excited, no, no matter where you're at today, is I believe that Jesus can turn any life around. He can turn any situation around. In fact, I believe if you read through the Gospels that you'll see this theme over and over and, and over again. Like if you go to Luke chapter 13, we're introduced to a woman who has, a, the Bible calls it a spirit of infirmity where she can only stand up halfway. She literally bends down. She cannot stand up straight. And she meets Jesus, and she was like that, but prior for 18 years, she meets Jesus, and instantly her life is changed. He turns her life around. In Luke chapter 9, or John chapter 9, we meet a man born blind. He had been blind for 30 years, and Jesus touches, touches his, his sight and heals him, and instantly his life is healed. In John 3, we, we, we're introduced to a man that's been at this, this place called the Pool of Bethesda for 38 years, and Jesus tells him, pick up your mat and walk, and instantly his life is turned around. Go into the book of Acts, and there's a man who's crippled at this place called the Beautiful Gate, and he had been there for 40 years. And the apostles meet him, and under the power and the authority of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit gives them the ability to touch this man's life, and he's healed. The, the Bible is filled with turnaround stories. And so here's the thing. Some of you are listening right now, and you're going through some it, and I don't know what your it is. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you would say. Maybe you would write it down. Here's the areas of my life that, that I, I, I need God to turn around, that I need God to intervene, that I need God to move at in my life. I want you to write it down for me because I want to encourage you today. I believe God can change that situation. I, I believe right here in this moment that you can see a breakthrough because of the word of God and the power of God right there in your home. No matter where you've been, what you've done, what you've gone through, what you've brought into this place, how bad that it is. Here's the thing. It doesn't matter how big or small that that it is. It doesn't matter what others have said or have not said about that thing. And it doesn't matter how long that you've dealt with it. God can turn it around. And so I want to land in a story in the book of Mark chapter 5. Um, and I want to read through this, what I will call turnaround story, another example of Jesus' ability to completely change a situation. By the way, if I didn't believe this was possible, I don't think I would do what I do. I, I, I have married my life to the gospel of Jesus Christ, one, because I know how good he is and how much he loves me, and I believe he's called me to this, but I also believe in his power. I also believe in his ability. I also believe that he can literally change your situation right here if you would simply allow him. So I want to work through this chapter with you. Mark chapter 5, verse number 21. We're going to pick the story up. The Bible says, when Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, fell at his feet. By the way, he has to be really desperate right here to do this. He would have tried everything else. He would have tried everything else uh, he was a follower of the religious rule, religious law. Jesus was not often popular with them, so he was at his end. And here's why he was at his end. The Bible says that he pleaded with him, my, my little daughter is dying. Please come put your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. So Jesus went with them. You guys know if something is wrong with your child, uh, you'll do anything. 
Like you, you, would, you would do anything. Like we, we're parents, we literally would give up our, if somebody said you have to give up your arm so that your child could live, we, we would do that. We, we would do anything for our kids. And so for him, he's, he's a prideful man. He's a religious leader. He, he teaches in the synagogues. He knows the law. He knows the rule. Jesus, if you read the Bible, watch a show like The Chosen, you'll know that he typically butt heads with the, with the religious leaders. So here's a man, prideful in his beliefs, educated, that was humbling himself, which by the way, is always the beginning of you seeing Jesus touch your life. The Bible says when you humble yourself, he can lift you up. So he humbles himself, he comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, my little girl is sick, and she's dying, I need you to come heal her. Now, if you keep reading, immediately you're introduced to another character. I don't have time to talk to you about this turnaround story, so I'll just summarize it. The Bible says, as Jesus is heading to, to her house, to his house, uh, a great crowd is around him, and a woman comes to him. It's one of my favorite Bible stories, and he touches, touches him. And when he touches him, she's instantly healed. What's she healed of? Uh, she had an issue of blood, the Bible says. She was bleeding for 12 years. She had spent all of her money, gone to every doctor, tried every religious activity, done every medication, and the Bible said she still wouldn't get better. And so she touches Jesus, and instantly her, her body is healed. Now, Jesus doesn't even talk to her in the beginning. He just feels this different touch. Everybody else was close to him. This woman desperately touches him. It's kind of funny. He stops and he says who touched me and his disciples said Jesus look around everybody is touching you he said no 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 somebody touched me with a different expectation with a different faith and he finds her she's healed he calls her a daughter of Abraham very key right there you are you are you are chosen you are one of mine right and so then he keeps going and we jump back in to Mark chapter 5 verse number 35 and this is where I want to kind of spend my time unpacking a little bit. The Bible says when Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said, why bother the teacher anymore? Your daughter is dead, don't bother him. Your, your daughter is dead. You ever been here? Maybe you, you're it, you named it, right? It's a marriage, it's a job situation, it's a health issue. Some of you, it's an addiction, right? Whatever you're dealing with, somebody has told you, it's, it's, it's too long, it's too, been too long, it's, it's over. Don't bother God with it anymore. Watch what the Bible says, though. Overhearing what they said, Jesus says, don't, don't, don't listen to them, don't be afraid, just believe. He didn't let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, right? The Bible says, when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw the commotion. People were crying and wailing loudly, right? Because the situation has gone from bad to worse. Watch what happens. He went in and he said to them, while this commotion, while this, this belly aching, while this wailing, the child is, is not dead. The child's just asleep, right? The child is just asleep. She's not dead. Same word, by the way, he uses for Lazarus, right? Same word we, we can read in a book like the Thessalonians when, when Paul tells us, listen, don't mourn like the rest of the world over those who have fallen asleep because God in Christ is going to bring them back from the dead. Same word he used for Lazarus. He's not dead. He's just asleep. He's been waiting for me to get here. She's not dead. Listen, your situation's not dead. It just needs Jesus. It's not dead. It's not over. It doesn't matter what other people say. Well, watch, watch, watch what happens. The Bible says the child is not dead. But, but they laughed at him. We're going to talk about that. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother, the disciples who were with him, and he went in where the child was. 
took her by the hand and said to her, Talithia come, which means little girl, I say to you with an exclamation point, get up. And the Bible says immediately. Why? Because Jesus can turn any situation around. The girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old as they were completely astonished. Two things you need to notice in this verse that are really significant. If you go back to verse number 40, what does the Bible say that he did? He says it put, he puts everybody out, all the voices, all the naysayers, all the haters, everybody that's laughing at him, he, he puts them out. A couple verses early in 35, when they say, don't bother Jesus with this, what does Jesus do? The Bible says, Jesus says, don't pay attention to them, don't be afraid, only believe. In, in other words, listen, I can preach till I'm blue in the face. I can preach my socks off. I can yell at you for the next 30 minutes and try to convince you that Jesus can turn any situation around. And it's true, but it's also dependent on your faith. It's also dependent on your belief. You see, the truth is Jesus needed to get away, get, get the, the haters, get the people who laughed at him, get the people who were naysayers, get the people who were calling something dead factually but didn't know spiritually the one who gives life to the dead had just shown up, right? And he needed Jairus to believe. He needed him to have trust and confidence. He needed him to get to the point where he would understand what conviction is. Conviction is the ability to, to 100% believe in something no matter what it, it, it looks like. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, without this type of faith, it is impossible to please God. In fact, there's another story in Mark chapter 8, which deals with another sick child. And this dad comes, same way, comes to Jesus, and he explains the situation of this sick child. He says, man, he's often thrown into fire and water to try to kill himself because he's, the Bible says he's possessed by demons. But if you can do anything, he says, take pity on us and help us. And watch what Jesus says. If you can, if, if I can, he says, everything is possible to the one who believes. What does the father say? The father says, help me overcome my unbelief then. You see, what I want to do is I want to take you through your unbelief today. Because I think in the story of Jairus, we'll see two different types of people that either maybe can be people you deal with or the person that you deal with in your head, your voice, the, the, the voice that kind of talks to you, the, the way that you see things, your perspective. Because I think, I think there's two unbelieving responses that get in the way so many times of us seeing Jesus do the miraculous in our lives. Because once again, I believe, not because I have this, you know, otherworldly, you know, head in the cloud type of faith, but I, I read the Bible. I watch what happens when Jesus sh shows up. The Bible says the same power that conquered the grave, it's going to live in us. The Bible talks about God. He says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The, the Bible is alive when we read it. We, it should build our faith and our expectation. And I think so many times that we have two really different unbelieving responses that you can actually see in the story of Jairus. The first one is this. Oftentimes, we don't want to bother him. We, we don't want to, to bother him. You see, we, we typically tend to think there's other people's problems are bigger. Other people's situations are more needy. There's somebody else who needs a, a bigger touch. I, I, my life, is, it, it has needs and there's things I'm struggling with, but they're not that important. And we, we kind of deal with this. We, we say stuff like, I should just try to handle this one myself. Like, I'll just kind of handle this one myself. We'll listen to things like this. Like, I'm just on my own with this one. Or here's one I love. You made the mess, you clean it up. Listen, God, 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 he sees the mess you've made. You've made the mess. 
you clean it up. Or, or maybe you struggle with the thought, you're not that important. You know, we, we have a, an over-elevated view of self oftentimes in our society, but it's actually an overcompensation and a magnifier of what the truth is that we don't really believe that we're that important. So we're constantly looking for somebody to make us important. And we have this kind of understanding oftentimes in our own life when it comes to believing that God can turn any situation around. This struggle where we think, man, I don't want to bother him with this. Isn't that what they say in Mark, 30, Mark 5, 35? Watch what they say. They say, the teacher was still speaking. Some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Uh, Your daughter is dead, they said. And, and then he said, why bother him anymore? Why bother the teacher? Don't, listen, this situation's already set in stone. This situation's over. Your daughter is dead. Like, there's other needs. There's other things that, that, that he needs to deal with. And so here's what they say. Don't bother the teacher. And I got to be honest with you. For many, many years, I struggled with this in my own life. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if I was like, God, I'm a, I'm a pastor. And so, um, you know, there's other people who are more needy than me. There's other situations. You know, I would always reason like this, like, yeah, I have needs in my life, and I got things I want to see God do, and I got things I want God to turn around. But, like, I live in America, and there's people you know, starving in, in, in Africa, and there's people dying of malaria here, and, you know, there's earthquake here, and, and tsunami. Like, there's just always these big needs everywhere else. And so oftentimes, because of my, 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 my false understanding of God and a personal relationship with him, and I'm not one of a million— I'm one in a, a million, if, like uh, it's just me and God, everybody else has their own relationship with God, that oftentimes I would struggle with the notion that I should bring everything to God, every need, every situation, every struggle, a, a, all this fear, even though scripture would say, pray without ceasing, pray about everything, both big and small, I tended to think to myself, man, I don't want to bother God, I don't want to be a nuisance to God, I don't want to be annoying to God, this is essentially what they're saying, listen, he was coming, but he's late, so don't bother him. He has other people he needs to touch. He has other people he needs to heal. He has other important places that he needs to be. Don't bother the teacher. But I started to think about that concept of God as my heavenly father and being a bother, bother to him and him not caring about everything. And I started to apply that to my own life as a father. And, you know, when I'm functioning as a father should, uh, as a reflection of Jesus Christ, the message that I should send to my kids is you are never bothering me. Like, you're, you're never... You're never annoying to me when you have a question, and, and, and I'd like to say I never fall short here. This is why ultimately my kids need a relationship with their perfect Heavenly Father, because I don't, right? Like there's sometimes they ask me a question a hundred times. I'm like, listen, stop. Stop bothering me. But if I'm going to actually be a reflection of the nature of God, there is not one instance in Scripture where the, where the Bible implies that there's a time where God gets tired of hearing from you. There's a, there's a time where, where God gets tired of listening to you. There's a time where God gets tired of watching over you. There, there's a time in your life where you make the same dumb mistake too many times and God says, I'm done with you. The Bible says that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. The Bible says that as long as your heart is still beating, that God still has a good and purpose-filled plan for your life. The Bible talks about a father who waits on the prodigal son, longingly looking for him, and as soon as he sees him begin to turn back to the home, that he runs and meets him, that he loses his mind trying to get back to this kid. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ, and so many times in our lives, we carry around things we're not supposed to carry around because we think, I don't want to be a bother to God. That's why understanding your role in your walk with God is so important. You know, when I do a funeral, I often talk about uh, Psalms 23. It's a famous psalm. It talks about walking through the valley of shadow of death. You fear no evil. It talks about how God is, is your, your shepherd and all these things. And, and the reason I do it is because I, I like to make sure people understand the role in this world. 
Like, like the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. If, if the Lord is my shepherd, then I don't lack anything. And when you paint yourself into the context of being a shepherd and a sheep, you make sure you're in the right spot. You begin to understand the necessity. Like sheep are, are, are ridiculously uh, human-like and not, not in the way they look and not in the way they talk and not in the way they smell, anything like that. But on a spiritual realm, sheep and humans, they're, they're, they're a lot alike. Like there's not another animal. Like I, my son asked me this week, what, would, what animal, what's your favorite animal? I said a gorilla, a, a, a silverback or whatever they're like that's the kind of animal that I would like to be, an alpha male, you know. If I was going to be a dog, I, I, I would want to be like a Rottweiler or something like that. But Scripture doesn't say anything about that. The Bible says that Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. It refers to us oftentimes as, 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 as a lamb, as sheep. And they're a lot like humans if you ever study them. Like sheep, they're, 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 they're kind of stupid. Like, and, and me and you, we could understand that. Like sheep will eat themselves to death. Come on, how many of you, you're on quarantine? You started standing on the scale. You continue like, I got to get this under control. Like if they're going to open the beaches up at any time this year, I'm not going to be ready. Some of you have been praying, just keep the beaches closed all summer. Let's just skip 2020. I'll be ready 2021. But we'll eat ourselves to death. I mean, you ever watch the, the, the shows on TV about people who legitimately, spiritually, physically cannot stop eating sheep that will eat themselves until they till they die uh you ever have your mom ask you if, if, if when you were younger if everybody else jumped off a cliff would you as well she's trying to get you to be a leader and the truth is you would sheep would do the same thing like if, if sheep have are in a line and there's a lead sh sheep and the, the sheep one sheep jumps off the next sheep doesn't go oh that guy died the next sheep goes okay let me jump off and so this is the relationship god is trying to say sheep are also super fearful they're super fearful. They won't drink water unless a stream is completely still. So that's why the Bible says you lead me but beside st still waters, which is a lot like humans. Like we can, we have a lot to, ha to be afraid of. Right now we have a lot of anxiety, but if you're truthful, even before this pandemic started, a lot of us lived in relative peace, right? We had a lot of, 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 uh, of ease in our lives if we're truthful, right? And we still had anxiety. There was, there was a lot of us that still had to take antidepressants and still had to, you know, couldn't sleep at night, had to take sleep medication. Why? Because we have a hard time with our, our thought life. And the Bible is clear. Listen, I am the shepherd. You are the sheep. And what he's trying to say is sheep need shepherds. Like you, you are desperate for me. You need a relationship with me. The sheep is never a bother to the shepherd because that's the shepherd's job. That, that's what he does. He teaches the sheep from a young age, you need to stay near me. In fact, uh, and somebody told me this wasn't true one time, uh, but I'm going to take it as truth because I love the illustration of it. But remember that picture uh, that you saw, maybe you saw it on your grandparents' wall, or maybe, maybe you've never seen it, but there's this picture kind of famous where the shepherd has this little, this little baby sheep on, on its shoulders, and it's carrying it to, to safety, and it's like, oh, that's a really cute picture. I read an article one time, and they said, that, that's really cute, but what the shepherd is doing is teaching that young sheep from a young age that the safest place is to be on the shepherd's shoulders and the, what the shepherd would do is the shepherd would injure the, the little sheep's legs so that he couldn't walk he would heal but he couldn't walk for for, for a, a stage of his life to train him listen the rest of your life you need to stay with me. You're not a bother to me. You're not a nuisance to me. You're not annoying to me. I want you as close to me as you can possibly, possibly be. Listen, you are not a bother to God. Don't allow you worrying about how many times you've asked, how needy you are to keep you from turning your it over to, to God. Don't listen to what people say. Continue to persevere. Continue to push towards the presence of God. In fact, there's this one passage in Luke chapter 11, uh, and I'm not going to read it right now, but it's the story 
And in the story, Jesus is illustrating kind of this thinking, like continue to come to God. He uses this illustration of this person who comes to his neighbor late at night, knocks on the door. Hey, I need some bread. I had a guest show up, and, 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 and they, I don't have any food for them. Can you give me some bread? Now, the neighbor responds like this. My kids are already in bed. I've already washed my feet. I don't want to get up in this dirty house and get my feet dirty, and I'm tired. I don't feel like coming and letting you out. But the neighbor keeps knocking. And because the neighbor keeps knocking, the Bible uses this word, because of their shameless audacity, their shameless audacity to keep asking, the neighbor eventually responds by giving them the bread. What Jesus is telling us is we need to have shameless audacity in coming to the throne of the Lord because we understand that we are never a bother to him. So number one, we struggle with the thought that we're bothering him. And just one more, I think you see in the story that we struggle with that keeps us from seeing God change our life because it's all about belief and faith. Number one, uh, we think we're bothering him. Number two, uh, we, we tend to belittle his strength. If we're honest, we tend to belittle his strength. You, you know, when we don't come to, to the throne of God consistently with all of our needs, the truth is we don't ultimately believe that he's going to do anything about it. And what that does, that is actually belittling. That's act, to me, that's a slap in the face of God. Like that, that's, that's saying, God, you won't do anything about it. You can't do anything about it. You won't move on my behalf. And I think a lot of us struggle with, with belittling him. And you'll see this in this story. First people said, don't bother him. Jesus shows up, Mark chapter five. What did the second group of people say? Jesus said, she's sleeping. You see, they're, they're there. They have good intentions, by the way, these, these, this group of people. They're there to support the family. They're there to mourn. Uh, they're, they're, they're there to, to, to be a comfort. Jesus shows up to perform a miracle. Jesus is not overly concerned about their principles, their priorities, their desires. Jesus shows up to perform a miracle. They're there to mourn and support the family. So they mean well. He's dead. She's dead. And they look, Jesus looks at them and he says, she's not dead. She's just waiting for me to get here. She's just waiting for me to get here. She's just sleeping. And what does the Bible say they do? They laugh at Jesus. They laugh at Jesus. You ever been there? You have faith in, in, in God and you're believing for things and hasn't yet happened and you, you hear people begin to laugh. Maybe they begin to, to, to ridicule. Maybe they begin to say, your God is not, is not powerful enough. Your God, and, and, and we come under this, this, this spirit of belittling the power of, of God. This happens again, by the way, in Mark chapter 6. Jesus goes to his, his hometown, and the Bible says he begins to preach. Now listen, Mark chapter 6, listen to this, it is the chapter after Mark chapter 5, right? Mark chapter 5, you see what he's about to do. He's about to raise a dead girl from the dead. Like He's about to bring her back to life for the rest of her time, her days. She's 12. She's going to walk around and people are going to look at her and go, that was, that was a dead girl. And she's going to be able to say, I was just sleeping. It took one moment from Jesus, he brought me back to life. She was going to have the same testimony that Lazarus would have, right? I was dead for three days. I was dead, dead. And Jesus called forth from the tomb. And I walked out. What a, what a, what a testimony. What a miracle. And Jesus, Mark chapter 6, goes home. He's just healed a woman with the issue of blood. He's just brought back a dead girl. And he shows up and, and into his hometown. 
word has spread at this point. People know the goodness of, of Jesus. He has this power to just change people's lives, to turn situations around. But we are told in Mark chapter 6 that in his hometown, he did very little miracles. Here's why. Because of the lack of faith of the people. What? They belittled his presence. And when you belittle the presence of Jesus, when you dishonor the presence of Jesus, you destroy the power of Jesus. When you dishonor him, when you disbelieve, when you make light of it, you destroy his ability to do anything significant in your life. You see, the first one is don't bother him. Don't bring it to him. Carry it yourself. Second, people say, he can't do anything. I've asked him before. I haven't come with shameless audacity. I didn't keep knocking. I didn't keep waiting because I don't live my life with belief and conviction. And I asked, but it didn't really work out. And so now I'm stuck here, right? I'm going to b- belittle him, and, and, and he's not going to do anything for me. He can't accomplish anything for me. The scripture tells us in, in 2 Timothy 3 that there's going to be a whole group of people that show up into the church at some point or that have a form of godliness. They, they, they follow some rules. Watch what the Bible says. But they're going to deny his power, have nothing to do with such people. Listen, you are tuning into a church that we, we want to understand scripture we want to you know follow what the bible says but the ability to follow what scripture says is based on the power that we have in the holy spirit and you you're tuning in to a place that, that, that fully believes in the miraculous power of god I, I i believe that god can change your life in a moment i i i believe that the spirit of god is here right now I, I believe that he could break an addiction. Some of you, I, I, I did a funeral this past Friday for somebody who, who, who overdosed, a young man that was clean for, for almost a year, and I talked to his parents. I said, what happened? And he, he, he stepped out of his recovery because he lost his job at the recovery home, and he had to come home, and he lost his battle uh, with addiction because of depression set in and fear set in. And man, my heart broke. And I just thought to myself, God, you, there's so many people that they would be in the same boat right now, that their life is literally running towards the tracks of, of death, like heaven and, and hell are on the line, life and death. God, could you turn it around right here? That your word is being spoken. Could you, could you shake the foundations of that problem right here? God, there's a marriage right now. There's somebody sitting in a room together but separated. Like, they're, they're still together, but this quarantine has, has magnified even more the problems in their marriage. The lack of communication and bitterness and anger. And you're tuned in right now. And there's all sorts of barriers, and there's a wall built up in your marriage. And there's all sorts of issues. And you've tried everything. You've went to every counselor that you can go to, and you've read some self-help books. But you've turned in to the, this church today, and the presence of God is being manifest in your home. God, can you turn it around right now? of you have anxiety it's almost crippling you've tried to carry it on your own right now god could you turn that situation around so you can get rid of the the thought that you're bothering him you're not you're gonna get rid of the lack of faith and you can belittle the bible says if you come to him with expectation that he can do it i'm gonna believe in you you can get rid of those voices and i think it's interesting if you follow the story mark chapter 5 the Bible says Jesus, he, he only brings a few people with him. He gets rid of all of the, the people that were laughing. He, he gets rid of some of his disciples. At that point, he has 12 disciples, and 
He only brings three of them with him. And so just three disciples and, and, and the mom and the dad, and he brings them into this room. And the girl's probably laying there. The mom's probably crying. The dad's crying. Uh, Peter, James, and John, they're, they're probably interested, a little bit scared, don't know what's going to happen, wondering why everybody else is gone. And he silences everybody. And, and, and the Bible says that he, he takes her by the hand. And he says to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And the Bible says she, she stands up. And there's something interesting in that. And I noticed this. I've been reading a lot of the Gospels. And uh, in the Gospels, it talks over 200 times about the hands of Jesus. It'll say stuff like he touched his eyes and he healed them. Uh, one, one, verse, one verse says he, he spits in the dirt and he, he makes mud and he picks it up and he rubs it in the, uh, the eyes of, the, of, of a blind man, touches him. One verse says that he, he's presented with uh, a lunch from a young boy and he prays over it with his hands. He blesses it and he breaks it and he begins to multiply it. You see, you get things into the hands of Jesus and healing takes place. Some of you say, well, what does that mean? Because Jesus is no longer on this earth. So how do I get things into the hands of Jesus? Well, here's where prayer comes in. Prayer is you getting your life into the hands of Jesus Christ. Prayer is the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. Prayer is you stepping into the power of, of, of Jesus Christ. It's you asking. Well, watch this promise in Scripture in John 14. Watch it. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything. Watch what he says. I'll do it. Can he turn it around? Can he turn it around? Some of you are in this place right now. And your life is just literally apart. Like it's just broken. It's just, it's just hopeless and hurting and lost. And uh, he's going to turn it around right now. He's going to turn it around. He's going to change you. Some of you are like, I don't even have a relationship with God. The Bible says if you call on the name of Jesus... You'll be saved. What does that mean? You begin to pray. Maybe you've never prayed before. Right there in your room, uh, in your house, wherever you're at. Maybe you just kneel before the presence of Jesus. You say, God, I need you to turn this around. I need you to step into my, to my life. God, if you're willing, do you hear what it says? He's willing if you believe. He is willing if you would believe, friend. God's about to do something. He's about to change someone. He's about to make a difference. So here's what I want you to do. We're going to sing one more song together and we're going to pray. Don't check out. Church is not over. The best part is about to ha happen. And we're going to sing this song that has been ministering to my spirit all week as I prepared this message. God's about to do something. God's about to turn it around. Maybe you're listening to it at half, at half volume. Would you just turn it up right there in your house? Make it feel like Journey Church in there. And would you just begin to allow the spirit of God to do what he needs to do? He's going to turn it around. Come on.
that God you can change any situation you can change any situation oftentimes in life I'll say stuff like this my God can my God well he hasn't done it yet but he's gonna do it he did it before he's gonna do it again you know there's already people uh, responding right now so some of us we're gonna respond differently some of us are gonna respond uh, we're already saved we already know Jesus and so our response I'm gonna encourage you write that down whatever whatever it was whatever the thing is that you need God to turn around write it down this is gonna be a date you're gonna look back on when you say man God began to work this moment he began to do a work in that day in that season God changed something God God broke something God healed something there's others of you that don't have a relationship with Jesus um, and you're already responded there's already two people that have responded online uh, letting us know uh, but the Bible is clear. Just call on the name of the Lord. You need, you need help. The Bible says he's an ever-present help in a time of need. You need peace. The Bible says he's a peace that surpasses all understanding. Man, your, your heart is broken. You feel joyless. The Bible says that he gives a joy, an unspeakable joy. You feel, you feel alone. The Bible says that Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. And he's here. But the way that you receive Jesus is through the grace of God. The grace of God is here. He has reached out his hands. All you need to do is grab it. All you need to do is grab it. And so we're going to pray as we close. Maybe you've already responded. Or maybe right now you need to say, you know what? I don't have a relationship with God. 
I, I feel lost. I feel alone. I feel broken. Man, I know what sin is. I can feel it. The weight of my sin is suffocating my life. And today I want to step into freedom. I want to step into love. I want to step into joy and mercy and hope. The Bible says, call on the name of Jesus. And so if you're there in your home right now, we're going to begin to pray. And as I pray, if that's you, uh, you don't have to say a long prayer. God knows your heart. God knows what you're going through. But I would love for you to let us know by just putting an emoji on the, on the, the screen right there just saying, hey, that's me. I responded to the gospel right here. We would love to contact you, to, re to resource you, to do whatever we can to get you connected to, I believe, a relationship that will change everything. So why don't you just continue to do that, church, all over this region. Would you just begin to pray and rejoice with heaven as those who were lost are being found, those who are dead are being made alive in Christ Jesus, those who were far from God are being brought close to God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, right now that you are turning people's lives around. You are changing people's forevers. You are setting people free. But the Bible says right now people's names are being written in the Lamb's book of life. And, and when we take the next breath after this breath in this life with you, Jesus, and eternity, that we will hear your name, that we will see your face, that we will hear well done, good and faithful servant because we gave our life to you. We step into relationship with you right now. And so, Lord, we're grateful for all that you've done. I'm grateful for those who are responding right now. Lord, something is changing in their life. Something is changing in their home. Something's going to change in their family. Lord, when they go back to work, something's going to change in their workplace. Lord, everything is changing about their life. It's going to be unmistakable. Lord, I pray for those also who are going through a situation. They need you to turn it around. It. Lord, would they be encouraged? Would they be strengthened? Would they continue to knock with the shameless audacity coming after you, believing that you make a way where there seems to be no way, that you open locked doors, that you, you, you make straight the past, Lord, that you are who you say you are, that you are powerful, you are in control, and you are good. Jesus, we love you. We thank you again for this time that we had together. Thank you for your worship. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your church. Thank you, Lord, that we're not in this alone, that we're going through this together, and we're coming out the other side stronger. In Jesus' name we pray. Jesus' name we pray. Everybody, would you shout amen, 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 amen. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.